Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, when you're there, simply say, I got it. Okay, I'm going to read you, listen, follow along with me. For we are his. Who's the he referring to? God. You need to understand that. For we are his workmanship. Everyone say workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I want to read that again. Read along with me. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. That word workmanship I've taught this so many times. Who remembers what that word workmanship in Greek is? Huh? How many times I've taught this in D2L? What is that word workmanship in Greek? What is it? Do you remember? Poema. You guys remember poema? I love that word. And poema really shows us that we are God's expression. We are a beautiful piece of artwork. We are his handiwork. Now, how many artists in the room do we have? How many artists in here? Artists, you have, um, you have pieces of artwork that you've been working on for years. You have things that you're constantly developing, and you know what it's like to handcraft something, right? You know what it's like to handcraft something. Doesn't it give you such joy when you work on this project and then you finally see it come to completion? All the artists in the room, doesn't it give you so much joy? I know for me, when I write a song and I get the first couple words, or I get the first few lines, or I get the first few chords, and I just begin to play that, all of a sudden I just begin to work out through this song, and I get the song complete, and I feel this sense of completeness on the inside, like, wow, I just accomplished this. Well, we are God's workmanship. We are his handiwork. He took the time to skillfully craft us and to skillfully make us. And this morning, I want to talk to you about identity. As we begin a brand new school year, it's important to know who the real you is and how important it is for you to be the you that God made you to be. You don't need to try to be somebody else. You know one of the things that confuses me the most, and it's a lie of the enemy. By the way, I've been introduced to a new word, courtesy of my good friend, Zach. Hipsters, you guys know what hipsters are? Okay, remind me again what a hipster is. It's a nonconformist, a non-mainstream person. You know what's funny is that like 30 years ago, 40 years ago, they just called them hippies. You just added a stirs to it, and now there's a, now there's a hipsters. Well, you know what's interesting is that how many of you know as soon as you become something like that, you automatically have made it more mainstream? You know what I'm talking about? You know, you, you want to dress a certain way because, you know, you feel this way. I remember when I was in school, it was the Gothics, and we had pants that were called pipes. I don't even know if you guys know what pipes are, but they were just straight leg, wide pants. I mean, you, they looked like guys were wearing dresses. Do you remember those, honey? I mean, it's just straight leg, big, fat. I mean, I might wear a pair of pants that, that was this wide, you know, and they were called pipes. And it's always like, if you talk to different people, it's like, well, I don't want to be like everybody else. I'm trying to be different. Well, don't you know by trying to be different and what, you're already making it mainstream. You're already being a part of something. And what I want you to know is that God didn't make you to be like everybody else. God made you to be separate and to be special. What is this right here? Cookie cutter. I think this cookie cutter resembles so much of our life. What does a cookie cutter do? Oh, makes everything the same. What else does it do? It makes everything the same. Very good. Yeah, it makes everything the same. Now, when you go into a Christmas party and you want to have all the same perfect, it would take hours to cut out stars, wouldn't it? If you get your X-Acto knife or whatever and you're cutting out stars, it would take you forever to cut out stars. But if you have a mold, if you have a mold, it's real easy, right? 
Well, this represents what the world wants for us and what the enemy wants for us. And our lives are down here on this board, and the world is constantly trying to force us into being uniform, force us into making everyone a star, which is kind of interesting if you think about it. Make everyone the same. All the corners are the same. All the ideas are the same. You may not look the same, but we're going to get you just like this. Don't say that. Don't do that. This is the mold that you need to fit. Well, what's interesting about this mold is that it's very small. I want you to know something this morning. God made you and then broke the mold. God made you. He cast you. He put you together, but then he demolished the mold. And you want to know why? Because God never wanted anyone to be just like you. Because as an artist makes different pieces of artwork, so God makes different pieces of art inside of each and every one of us. It's the reason today that not one of us who have lived or will ever live will ever have the same fingerprint, will ever have the same vocal cords, the same voice. It's not passable. And see, when you look at these unique creations, you know, there's one mold that maybe God has, and it's called the human mold. But inside every human is something different deposited. The problem with the world is they're trying to get you to be into this mold. And God is saying, no, I didn't make you to be that mold. I made you to be this mold. Don't try to conform to this one. Be separate. Be the real you that I created. But the problem is, if you don't look like a star in our world, they want to tell you you're not worth anything. They want to tell you you're too different. You should, you should start being a little bit more like you're supposed to be. This morning as we walk through this lesson, I want you to see that there's so much more to you. There's so much more than fitting a mold in this world. Let's see what God has to say about you. Go over to the book of Psalms, chapter 139. Psalms is just before the book of Proverbs and just after the book of Job. Psalm 139, please. I don't know how you have billions of people who have ever lived, billions upon billions, maybe even trillions of people who ever walked the face of this planet, and yet not one of them has ever had the same fingerprint or the same voice, and yet, and yet, you can say that there's no creator. Not you, but how does the world come to that conclusion? How does the world come to that conclusion that of all the trillions of people who have ever lived, none of them have been the same, no fingerprints, no two fingerprints are alike? That is not an accident, friend. You are a perfect, hand-knit creation of God. And I'm going to show you why in a little while. Psalm 139, verse 13, if you're there, say, I got it. Let me know that you're there. Are you there? Say, I got it. Here we go. Psalm 139. Dave, let me just stop. David is writing here, and he's writing to God in verse 13. For you, O God, formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully. That means skillfully. I am fearfully. That means he took the time to create you individually and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, O Lord, and that my soul knows very well. My frame, in other words, my body, was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully put together in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there was none of them. Now you could read this passage and say, oh, that's just David talking to God. No, that passage is in our Bible, so that each and every one of us, when we happen upon 139, Psalm 139, or each and every one of us, when we turn to Psalm 139, we know that we are skillfully, we are perfectly, we are handcrafted by the creator of the universe. Now why do you think that God took the time 
to create you? Why do you think that God took the time to knit you together in your mother's womb? Ladies, I'm convinced that you'll, 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 you'll grow in a deeper relationship with God someday when you become pregnant and you have this child developing on the inside of you. My wife has been through pregnancies and I've watched just how amazing, even it is for me, to see that God is putting this child together and all of a sudden you meet this child and you're like, wow, you're a real person. And let's just pause right there for a moment. We talked about this on Wednesday. If you at 12 through 18 right now are so valuable... Why is it that we tell ourselves that a child inside of a womb, number one, is not a child, and number two, is not valuable? God creates every single person inside their mother's womb, whether the mom is a Christian or not. How do I know that? Because of right here, God skillfully puts together that child. How does it happen? I don't know. He does it. But God does that. That's his perfect design. And God wants you to know today, number one, you're not a mistake. Number two, you're his creation. And number three, because you're his creation, you should be proud and you should celebrate the fact that you're a little bit different. Why are we all trying to fit in? Why are we all trying to look like everyone else? Let's be the me, that, let's be the person that God created us to be. Who has the message translation here? Message? Don't be shy. Come on, who has the message? Fine, I'll read it from the message. I have the message translation to this. Can you just lend your ears to me and listen for a second? Oh, yes, you shaped me first inside and then out. I thank you, high God. You are breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship you in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made, bit by bit. How I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life was prepared before I ever lived one of them. The world doesn't tell you that. It's important to realize that you are a very special and a very unique creation from God. See, God just doesn't have, and this star, I'm, don't, don't get caught up on the word. God just doesn't have stars, but he has hearts and he has flowers. I mean, come on, whatever. This is what I had in my draw, but you know what I'm saying. And uh, God has different molds that he uses. You all fit the human mold, but there's something unique inside each and every one of you. And God says, you know, I have something I want to accomplish here. So I'm going to give this person this type of heart. Well, you know what? I'm going to put this person before a lot of people so they can glorify me. And you know what? I'm going to give this person the warmest personality so that every person who comes into contact with them will see my joy. Do you see how God does that? So many of us, because we don't feel like we fit a certain mold, we say, well, I need to be more like so-and-so because that's how you're supposed to be. No, you're supposed to be the person that God created you to be. God didn't make you to fit in. You are not a copy. You are an original. You are an original. And we need to get that deep down inside of our hearts. The second thing I want to share with you this morning, as you enter into this brand new school year, is don't be a conformist. Don't conform to what everyone else wants for you. Be a non-conformist. Would you turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 12, please? Romans chapter 12. Romans is in the New Testament, again, written by Paul to the church at Rome.
When you get to Romans, go to chapter 12, please. Chapter 12, verse 2, and when you get there, say, I got it. Okay. One minute here. Romans 12, 2. Actually, let's go to verse 1. I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be, excuse me, transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, don't be a conformist. We hear that word and we might joke and we might think it's silly, but I have to tell you, there are so many of us who are, who are trying to fit our hearts inside of this star mold and it's not working. So many of us are trying to get, it's not who God made you to be. And you know what? I'm still realizing this in my life. I was telling some people just today, I think, that there are so many things in my life that I'm trying to make myself like somebody else. Why am I doing that? That's not who God made me to be. Listen very carefully to Romans 12, 2 from the message translation again. You're going to love this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take every day, every ordinary day of your life, you're sleeping, you're eating, going to work, walking around, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. God didn't make us to fit into popular culture. God made us to be who he designed us to be. He made us special, and he made us unique. The next thing I want to show you this morning, I have to show you with a little bit of caution. The next thing is very near and dear to my heart. What I have here are two pieces of some coloring paper from my house. And one is done by my wife, <laughs> and one is done by my daughter. And I want to show you each one of them, because I think it, we get the same idea from the mold. This one is done by my daughter, believe it or not. And this one is done by my wife. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just joking. This actually was done by my wife, and... and uh, you, you can see that all the colors are right. You know, she, she, she's very neat. She doesn't color outside the lines. She's got everything just so pristine and so perfect. Take, take that image in for a second. Now, I'm not any less proud of this one. This is my three-year-old daughter. I think she probably did this when she was two and a half, but this is my three-year-old daughter who still doesn't understand the concept of lines or right colors. She has a red tree over here, and uh, you know she's got some monkey hanging out on the palm trees, which may be true, but I don't know. See, my, my daughter is only three, and you know if, if we look at this, most of us would expect that by the time my daughter grows up to my wife's age, she's going to get it like this. And that's right. It makes sense. But the world is trying to conform us so that we all color inside the world's lines. We don't step outside we stay inside the lines. This is a little bit of a deeper thought. I'm not talking about being a rebel. I'm talking about sometimes the world wants us just to do things the way that we're supposed to do. And sometimes we say things and sometimes we do things and the world looks at us and says, oh, oh don't, no, that's not what you're supposed to say. Like when you stand up and say, a baby is a baby from conception. A person is a person from conception. 
Don't, you, don't say that. You don't know that. That's just a fetus. That's just a blob. No. It's a real person. God made man and woman to come together. Whoa. What are you trying to say? Exactly what I just said. I'm not yelling at you. I'm not scolding you. But I'm not going to fit inside your lines. I'm not going to fit inside your framework. I'm telling you the truth from the word of God. And I'm convinced right now that God is raising up a generation of young men and young women who are tired of being told that this is what they have to do. And what they really need to do, understand what I'm saying, is a little bit more of this as far as the world is concerned. Standing up and being different. Standing up and being counted. One of the things I'm going to share with you next week is that all the great leaders who have ever led have at some point or another stood alone. God didn't make you to be a copy following the path in front of you, following every person in front of you. God made you to be an original. He has deposited part of his spirit inside of you. And there are certain things about this world that are going to rub you the wrong way. Don't quiet those things down. Let those things come out. Let them be real. Now, God will teach us how to say certain things. He will teach us how to do certain things. I'm not saying you knock on everybody's door and say, you know, abortion is wrong and same-sex marriage is wrong. I'm saying God will teach you how to do those type of things. But we need to understand that we were never made to fit within the framework of the world's mold or write within, draw within the lines. God has made us to be different and we should celebrate that. Who is the real you? And who are you hiding out right now trying to be? Every one of us, no matter how real we say we are, myself included, is still at some areas of our life trying to fit ourselves into the world's mold. And there's a real danger in that. Because all we become is just another person following the people down the line. God didn't make you to follow the world. He made you to lead. You are a leader right now, wherever you are. And I want to challenge you this morning. Don't be ashamed of who you are. Listen, I know know in school they make fun of the quirky kids. You know, the kids that just don't seem to fit in. And maybe you're that kid. For whatever reason, you don't fit in. Or maybe there's something about you that you, know, you don't like the way your nose is, the way your hair is. You know what? You're a unique creation. Your nose isn't supposed to look like that air-blasted, airbrushed, fake nose on the cover of Cosmo. Guys, not all your muscles are going to look like those guys. In the, you know, we got to get over that. I know I want my muscles to look like that. I know I want to be hot like that, you know? But I've got to realize, you know, there are more important things in life. And I'm hot just the way I am. I just, I mean, I'm hot just the way that I am. I'm, I know that. I know that. And see, I can say that because I've got a beautiful wife to prove it. And guys, I have a lot of friends, and not as, not as many of them, you know, they're not all as good looking as me. And, and they still married a pretty girl. So there's hope for all of us, guys. I'm just being silly with you. I know how good looking I am, but I'm just being silly with you. And so much of our lives we spend looking after a picture. We spend, if I could just look like this, if I could, let me tell you something. You know, guys don't want a cookie-cutter girl. They don't want to spend their life with a cookie-cutter girl. I know because I've had friends who thought that they wanted to marry. And some of you are saying, yes, they do. No, they don't. Guys want a girl who is real and confident. At the end of the day, in a long-term marriage relationship, A guy does not want to be married to a girl that is a cookie-cutter girl whose nose is in the air and is always trying to keep up with the next trend. A guy wants a woman, not a girl. 
A guy wants a woman who is confident in herself, in the beauty that God has given her, and she walks confidently in that, regardless of the little imperfections that she thinks she has. And I've been married long enough to a beautiful woman to know that no matter what I don't like about myself, she actually finds kind of cute, which I don't understand, but I'm not going to question God on that. If, you, if these little imperfections that I have and you think they're cute, hey, that's, I'm down with that, whatever, you know? We don't need to fit into a certain mold. I mean, God knows the desires of your heart, and he will bring those about. But you need to be the real you. You need to be who God created you to be. Don't be shy about who you are. Whether you feel like you fit in, whether you feel like you have all the money in the world. Listen, I remember being a kid, and and we had to go to the store. And, you know, my dad didn't have a job at this time. He had lost his job. And we had to go to the store. And I was pretty pretty much like, you know, I was always trying to be in the in culture. I was always trying to be in the in crowd. And so having good clothes was really important to me. And I remember this one year, I was just a kid. I might have been like, you know, I don't know, 10 or 11, and we had to go to the store and buy the packaged T-shirts, the Fruit of the Loom T-shirts, and they had a pocket on the side. Well, listen, I wear that stuff now, but when I was a kid, that wasn't popular. It was so, it was heartbreaking for me to know that I had to go to school with just this T-shirt that we paid $3 for a pack of three. They were a dollar each. But that doesn't make me who I am. We have listened to the world that says, You can only be somebody if you look a certain way, if you dress a certain way, and you act a certain way. Well, I've got news for the world. God didn't make us all to look like robots. He made us all to look different. And regardless of what your family can afford for clothing, regardless of what type of experience you've had in life, you can be the woman, the guy, the man, the lady that God has created you to be. Don't let those things hold you back. Be who God made you to be. I just have a couple questions for you as we, as we wrap up here. We talked about these lines here. So that you can really understand what I'm saying, what, what can you describe are some of the lines that the world wants us to fit into? The only color within these lines, or what are some of the frameworks, some of the molds that the world wants us to fit? And if we don't fit, we get ostracized. What are some? The world says color within these lines. What are some of those lines? Help me understand. What are some of those lines that we get told we have to color within? Zach? The music you listen to? You're only cool if you listen to this group, this, this guy, this girl. What are some other lines or some molds? Okay, Marissa? The way you dress. You're only cool if you dress a certain way. What are some other molds, some other lines that we have to fit into? You guys know them. You live this. Huh? Religious beliefs. It's not cool. Everyone can believe in God, but don't talk about Jesus. It's not cool to believe in Jesus, man. Don't be bringing that Jesus stuff over here. Jesus might be your homeboy, but don't bring him to school with you, all right? Leave him at home. What else? What other molds or what other lines is the world telling you have to color within? I know there's a lot more that you're constantly being pressured. Girls, okay, Callie. Your shoes. What is it with girls and shoes? Somebody help me understand. I don't even, it's crazy. When I was a kid, pumps, pumps were something you, you, you put on sneakers and you pumped the front of the tongue. That was a pump when I was a kid. And then they would pop. Yeah, I don't know anything about these pumps, these, these pumps that girls wear, or stilettos. I don't know anything about that stuff. What are some other frames, what are some other frames or molds that the world wants you to fit? Zach, you have another one? 
I, I think that that's, the, that's one of the biggest things I see in our culture right now is body type, girls especially for you. But guys, we face it too in terms of being strong, in terms of looking a certain way. But girls, there's so much pressure on you to look a certain way, to act a certain way, and guys are only gonna like you at this. How many of you have ever seen a commercial before? Here, okay, I just, I'm just, let's just start with square one. I know, I know, you've all seen a commercial. Let's go to the next step. How many of you have ever seen a beer commercial before? If I go by what the beer commercial says, or an alcohol commercial, who's seen an alcohol commercial? If I go by what that alcohol commercial says, then what should happen every time I drink alcohol is this hot lady should come by me and throw herself at me and want nothing with the rest of the night but just me. If I have listened and watched every that's what they tell you. In the beer commercials and the alcohol commercials, this, this guy is only is so cool. All these girls want him because he's drinking this alcohol. I've seen people who drink alcohol. I've seen people who get drunk. No girl wants to be with them. They are a mess. They are a mess. They are a mess. But that's what we're told. Girls, you, you see this image all over that, you know, we're careful with my daughter. I, she's been noticing more now. We were in the line at Walmart, and, and she saw this magazine. I guess what it was. She says, she said, Daddy. That girl needs to put some clothes on. I'm like, you're right, she needs to put some clothes on. That's right, Lily. <laughs> you know, in the, in the magazine right there, in the aisle, my three-year-old daughter. Now, how can I stop my three-year-old daughter from thinking that's what she has to look like, from thinking that a guy will only want her if she looks like that? We have got to step outside of these lines. And next week, we're going to talk a little bit more about how we can do that. What I want you to see is I want to throw a name out there for you. There were so many different civil rights leaders in the 1960s, even a little before that, and a little bit after that. But one name rings true when you hear of civil rights, and that name is... Okay, one name rings true when you hear of civil rights, and that is... Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s approach, peaceful approach to obtaining civil rights that he believed God was a God-given right was different than the popular culture at that time because others like Malcolm X were saying, just rebel, just go out there and do different things. But Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who really paved the path, ended up standing alone until some other people came alongside him. And I want you to know something. Here's my last point to you this morning. When you stand up to be the person that God made you to be, at first, you will stand alone. When you stand to be the man or woman God made you to be, at first you'll stand alone. But what will happen when you stand is others will realize he's standing, she's standing, I can stand too. God wants you to be that first. He wants you to be that leader that stands up. And you can be that leader right now at home and at school. You can do it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time that we've had together. I thank you for your word that's gone forth. I thank you that you have a plan and a purpose for every single one of these young men and women. Lord, you know their hearts. You know the areas of their life that they're struggling with. You know what they're facing. And Father, I pray right now that you would just move on their heart. Move on their heart right now. That they would see you for who you are. That they would see themselves as handcrafted by the greatest artist of the universe.